0: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America.
1: Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
0: It's time for Speaking of Sports, your weekly look inside at the stats, scores, opinions, and facts from a kid's point of view. You can't miss one moment of the action going on in the next
2: hour. Now, here's your host. Thank you, and welcome to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason Chesler, and we've got a lot to talk about today. We've got the NFL in full swing. We've got college football. We've got the uh, we've got baseball, we've got the NBA, and we might even delve into the WNBA, a subject I know a lot of you are probably not very familiar with. Um, we've got stats, we've got players, we've got everything going on today on Speaking of Sports. Let's just jump right in here with the NFL. Um, we've got teams to look for for next season. There's certainly a lot of talent, a lot of parody in the league uh, of late especially, as we've seen uh, several new teams kind of gaining strength over these past few years, building up. And also, of course, we've still got some old favorites, the Colts and Patriots of the world, uh, so to speak, who are still certainly dominant threats. We've got the New York Jets, one of the most talked about teams over this past uh, NFL season since their appearance on Hard Knocks, the uh, training camp miniseries. And what everybody knows about the Jets is, of course, their tough defense uh, in addition to their big personalities on defense. They've got this swarming defense that can shut down the run with their big uh, defensive line, especially big-time nose tackle Chris Jenkins, although he particularly has a tendency to be a bit injury-prone. You move back to the linebacking core. You've got Bart Scott. You've got tons of pressure coming from the outside linebackers, guys from like Calvin Pace and the uh, veteran this past season, Jason Taylor. Um, And, of course, the defensive back situation. We all know about uh, this past offseason, the holdout situation of superstar cornerback Darrell Revis, Hopefully, now, with his new contract, he's locked up and happy for the next several seasons to come, in addition to the rest of this talented defense. The real question marks come for this team um, come on the offensive side of the ball. Their young quarterback, of course, Mark Sanchez, the Sanchez, as some people like to call him, has he truly arrived? Um, how high is the confidence level with him? Will they allow him to throw the ball? And if they do, can he produce? And, of course, there's the question marks at running back. uh, Ladanian Tomlinson, you're never quite sure what to expect, whether he'll be the MVP caliber player of a few years back or whether he'll even show up at all. And, of course, Sean Green, the other young running back who still remains a bit unproven and a bit untested. Um, Remaining in that division, we've got uh, an old favorite, the Patriots, who have definitely kind of broken away from their typical structure. Um, The kind of typical Patriots structure has almost moved to Kansas City where they're pretty much attempting to rebuild these old Patriots teams. They've got Charlie Weiss, they've got Romeo Cornell, these former major pieces in the uh, Patriots coaching staff, offensive and defensive coordinators. Their team is actually, their general manager and vice president is actually a former Patriots executive. And in general, they seem to be attempting to rebuild kind of that Patriots glory from back in the uh, 2000s when they were winning Super Bowls. Meanwhile, if we go back to New England, where the actual Patriots team is, they are virtually an entirely different team than those Super Bowl champion teams of the past. They've become this aired-out offense, both around Tom Brady, just chucking the ball downfield to Randy Moss, who we know has not been happy of late, and Wes Welker, of course, the dynamic um, kind of quasi-running game, both around dump-off passes to Wes Welker. The actual running game, both around handoffs, has been a bit non-existent. They've lost several running backs over the past few years, Corey Dillon, Lawrence Maroney, many guys who could be expected to kind of carry the load for this running game. Um, and frankly, it's almost not there these days. The same goes for their defense, a staple of their uh, championship seasons. What's there these days? Um, that can be a bit of a question mark. They've got, they have got—they certainly still have a lot of talent there with some younger guys, such as Mayo and some other guys in their linebacking core. But can they really stop the run? Can they really pressure a quarterback? And do they really have the guts to uh, win out a game on defense? Uh, Meanwhile, kind of moving on to the NFC North, certainly a division that has caused a lot of interest these past couple of years, um, particularly with the Brett Favre situation, first with the Packers and now with the Vikings. Um, Favre believed to actually be done now. This is believed to actually be his final season, but we'll have to find out during the offseason if he decides to come back again as soon as he starts seeing... uh, the advertisements with him airing the ball out for uh, gene companies Um, but still the Vikings with or without Favre there's still question marks about Percy Harvin about Sidney Rice their wide receivers core is it really healthy enough is it actually talented enough they've got a lot of young guys there um, with some aging veterans who have not been producing such as Bernard Berrien and uh, Vincente Cheyanko and it's just a question of do they actually have offensive production outside of Adrian Peterson, the superstar running back. And even Peterson's really a question mark at this point. Um, some will argue that he is still the most dynamic offensive threat in the game, and he certainly should not be you know, washed up at this point in his career. He's still a very young player with only a few years of NFL experience. Um, but he seemed a bit less dynamic in the running game uh, these past uh, two seasons or so. And he's run into some fumbling issues, which can certainly end a running back's career if they can't hold on to the football. Uh, Meanwhile, on the defensive front, their defensive line continues to be excellent, with Jared Allen and the Williams wall in the middle, shutting down uh, quarterbacks and running games alike. But the rest of their defense remains a question mark. Um, Meanwhile, you're listening to the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason Chesler, and you're listening to Speaking of Sports, where currently we're breaking down the NFL. Um, remaining in the NFC North we were just talking about the Vikings and the possibility of Brett Favre coming back for yet another go Um, we can talk about Brett Favre's old team, the Green Bay Packers where they've moved on from Favre with a bit of a youth movement um, built around their young star quarterback Aaron Rodgers Favre's replacement Rodgers has really looked good these past few seasons he's got a lot of potential he can air it out, he makes good decisions he's an accurate passer And he certainly seems to be one of the more dynamic quarterback threats in the NFL. Um, Throwing to a bit of an underrated wide receiver crew, he spreads the ball around very nicely, which kind of prevents any of his receivers from really getting star recognition. But there's a lot of talent there. Um, And moving to the defensive front, there's plenty of talent there as well. Their linebacking core is made virtually exclusively of young, incredibly talented linebackers who are some of the top collegiate prospects who have been uh, paying off in the NFL so far. Um, meanwhile, sticking with football, um, we've got the New Orleans Saints, the the um, 2009 season Super Bowl champions, um, and the Atlanta Falcons, who are believed to be battling it out in the NFC South for the next few years to come. Um, the Saints, they've got that offense. It's big time. Everybody knows it. Drew Brees has certainly become one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. That can't be up for the bait. Um, and frankly, the rushing game is a bit underrated. Reggie Bush certainly not the superstar everyone hoped he would be, but still, you put the ball in his hands, and he can make a big play happen. Combine that with a more solid NFL running back like Pierre Thomas, and the Saints' rushing game really is certainly not a weakness. When all said and done, their defense is really where the question marks uh, keep up, uh, keep popping up, in that they're really a turnover-based defense. And that just does not quite seem like something that they can really supplant for several seasons to come. Um, A defense built around pretty much the opponent making mistakes, throwing these interceptions or getting these fumbles, it just doesn't seem something solid enough to build a defense around. But with an offense like that, certainly they can cover themselves up a bit, but can they do it at a Super Bowl level for the next few seasons? Meanwhile, in Atlanta, this is just really a solid all-around team. In the passing game, you've got the young quarterback Matt Ryan and his two favorite targets, uh, Roddy White and Tony Gonzalez. And, yeah, Gonzalez is certainly getting up there in age, but that is still a big passing offense, and Gonzalez still seems to have something left in the tank. Of course, you have Michael Turner, the talented running back. Um, after his incredibly high number of carries a few years back, uh, it's, there's a bit of a question mark of can he really come back But the talent is certainly still there, and I don't think one year with a tremendous amount of carries can really destroy a running back's career. And, of course, the defense remains solid as well. Um, Moving on, we've got several other divisions and conferences. Uh, The NFC East has certainly been one of the most interesting divisions, not just this past season and not for seasons to come. But over the past few seasons, they produced a Super Bowl champion, the New York Giants, a few years back. Um, and they produced those Eagles teams led by Donovan McNabb that had uh, gone to several straight conference championship games, but the shape of the landscape of the division has certainly changed dramatically, as several teams have shuffled players around, even in the quarterback position, where a former Eagles quarterback that we've mentioned, Donovan McNabb, is now playing in a Washington uniform. Uh, meanwhile, the Eagles have their own quarterback controversy between uh, former Atlanta Falcon great Michael Vick, who is back in the NFL and looking quite fine, and their own young quarterback prospect Kevin Cobb. Meanwhile, in New York, Eli Manning has not yet strung together a couple of really t- great seasons, but he continues to look to have the Manning pedigree, that kind of unexplainable talent that seems to run in that family. Um, And then you go over to the Dallas Cowboys, a team with certainly as much talent as anyone, but there remain questions, their offensive line, their coaching staff, and their general philosophy. It'll be interesting to watch for a few seasons. All of these teams have a ton of potential, and they're all relatively young. We'll have to see who can pan out with that potential. Uh, Now, let's take a break. I'm Jason Chesler, and you're listening to Speaking of Sports. Keep it right here on Voice America Kids. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring.
0: You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports
2: on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you and welcome back to Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason Chesler and you just missed us talking about the NFL. We went over some teams and some top stories uh, for the upcoming season. Uh, Of course, we talked about Brett Favre. It wouldn't be Sports Talk Radio if we didn't. Um, We talked about the Patriots and their changing philosophy. And we also broke down some of these uh, division battles that are going to happen for these next few years to come between some of these elite teams in the NFL. Now, uh, moving on to college football, we're going to do a breakdown of quarterbacks, particularly the Pac-10 quarterbacks, as it seems the Pac-10 has almost become like the Big 12 is kind of known for. It has become a quarterbacks conference. Um, but we're also going to give some uh some shout outs to some of the East Coast quarterbacks, some of the remaining uh talented quarterbacks throughout um the nation in college football. We're gonna break down the Georgia Tech offense, a very interesting offensive system that they run down there in Georgia Tech. And we're also going to uh we're going to generally run through uh as much of college football as we can in this short time period. So let's jump right in with this Pac-10 uh quarterback situation. Where, frankly, we could have four, maybe even five, um, uh, first-round pick at the quarterback position out of Pac-10 schools. There is just so much talent throughout the West Coast at this quarterback position. And despite the Pac-10 being regarded as being a bit down from prior years where they could really compete head-on with conferences like the SEC, they still have a uh, tremendous upswing in the quarterback position. Let's start out at the uh, University of Arizona, where we've got Nick Foles, who is a six-foot-five, uh, 245-pound junior, a uh, transfer from Michigan State, actually, um, where he attended his freshman year. Who has who is known for his very high completion percentage. Um, he's a pure pocket passer. He's not the most mobile guy out there, but when you're six-foot-five, 245, you don't really need to move. He can certainly take a hit, even from a uh, NFL-level defender. And that certainly that um that accuracy that he has demonstrated at Arizona, that is certainly something tempting for uh NFL scouts. Moving on to Stanford, where they've got Andrew Luck, who is uh whose stock has risen dramatically throughout this season. He is a big time quarterback, uh six foot four, two thirty five pounds, he's got the NFL build. Um and obviously going to Stanford, he clearly demonstrates the football intelligence required. Uh, as well as the obvious intelligence off the field that's required for a Stanford uh, student. But that's not to say that he does not have the general raw ability of an NFL quarterback. That's what makes him such a high draft prospect, is in addition to this leadership, these intangibles, he also has a big time arm. He's thrown an 80-yard pass this past season. He's got good mobility. He can scramble. He can extend plays. And he can actually run the ball as well. And obviously, he's got, the, uh, he's got the touch, he's got the accuracy, he's got great decision-making. You rarely see him throw a truly bad pass. And that is why he has jumped our next uh, Pac-10 quarterback in many draft boards to become the top quarterback prospect. That next quarterback, who coming into this season was regarded as the top prospect in all football, Believe that if he had gone out last season, he would have been the number one overall pick above Sam Bradford of the St. Louis Rams this past uh, NFL draft. That is Jake Locker, the quarterback out of Washington. Now he does not have quite as big of a build as a uh, Foles or Luck, but certainly an NFL build. Six foot three, two hundred thirty pounds. That is more than enough height to get vision of the field. Um, the Washington quarterback, a bit untested. Yes, he does play for Washington, which is in the Pac-10, so he gets some good in-conference games. But well, Washington's certainly not a football powerhouse. He's got huge arm strength. He's got an absolute cannon. He's got great speed, even more so than Luck. He can scramble, he can run. Um plays a bit more like a pocket passer than Luck. Luck's been known to uh, more break out of the pocket and go for a run more often. Um what's really been what's really been questioned a bit with uh Locker is his decision making. It can be argued that frankly, when you're playing with Washington's receiving staff, which certainly Washington not a football powerhouse, against uh, big-time blue-chip prospects that like USC or even Stanford or Arizona sends out to defend them, there oftentimes is not a good decision to be made, Um, which could justify his uh, occasionally poor decision-making, some forced throws, where he just feels like he has to carry this Washington uh, football team. That's something that could be very problematic in the NFL, or something that could simply fade away when he's actually on par with his competition as far as his team is concerned. Um, as far as the Jake Locker Andrew Luck debate, I generally side with Andrew Luck. Locker is probably the better physical prospect. His arm is some, his arm strength is something you cannot duplicate. That's something you will take no matter what your uh, quarterback is. But I do question the uh, decision making out of the gate. He doesn't seem to have quite the touch, the pass precision that Andrew Luck has, and in general, when you're talking about a Stanford quarterback who has led a generally, uh, who has led the resurgence of that program to uh, back to relevancy, who also has the NFL build and the arm strength, that is certainly something that I would take for my football team. Um, you're listening to the College Football Breakdown on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason Jessler. Um moving on to some outside of the Pac Ten quarterbacks, where we've got a lot of talented quarterbacks um throughout the nation. Um in addition to the previously mentioned Pac Ten quarterbacks and Matt Barkley out at USC, who's believed to be more of a prospect for another year. Um we've got down at Arkansas, Ryan Mallet, who if he who um whose arm rivals or possibly even surpasses Jake Locker. He can throw the ball incredibly far um in in games, he has thrown it sixty five yards in the air on a lob. He's certainly got huge potential and his frame, his build is absolutely unheard of. He is he is a BEAST beast. He is certainly one of the top prospects physically at the quarterback position, not just this year, but in the history of college football. He stands at six foot six. I've heard him listed at six foot seven at times, um, but six foot six seems to be the more reasonable uh, projection. Two hundred thirty-eight pounds. With six, with with a uh, with that much height, you can see the field in ways that most quarterbacks cannot. Um, if someone bats down Ryan Mallett's pass, there is something seriously wrong. He can throw over the top of any defensive player, even these very large defensive linemen. Uh, moving on, we also have a several dual threat quarterbacks throughout college football this year. They have risen in popularity. We've got Denard Robinson, um, some kids call him Shoelace Robinson, down in Michigan. We've got Ja'Cory Harris at Miami, and we've got Terrell Pryor, of course, who was favored for the Heisman Trophy going into this season at the Ohio State University. Um, Robinson is kind of the typical dual-threat type build. He's a bit of an undersized guy. He's also just a sophomore, so it's very possible he comes back for at least another season. But he stands only at foot, even 193 pounds or so. But boy, can he run, can he pass. He tore up Notre Dame earlier in the season, about 250 passing yards, 250 rushing yards. And frankly, anyone who can get you 500 yards of total offense is certainly worthy of a look as an NFL team. Meanwhile, Harris and Pryor at uh, Miami and Ohio State, respectively, they are both uh, dual threats trying to uh, improve their pocket passing ability. Both have great scrambling and uh, certainly the speed to run with, but they consider themselves more pocket passers. They also have substantially bigger frames; both around six foot four or so, um, and generally that improves their pocket passing ability, especially when it comes to an NFL level, when you have to deal with rush from very tall defenders. So that's the main question mark for a guy like Robinson: is is he really big enough, and can he really throw well enough to make it as a true NFL quarterback? Uh, Moving on to an interesting offense to discuss, that is Georgia Tech. Speaking of dual-threat quarterbacks, they seem to always have one every single year down at Georgia Tech. To the point that the question has been raised, do they even really play a quarterback? Their offense, uh, in case you're not aware of it, is virtually every play they run some form of option play where the quarterback rolls out um, with running backs behind him and he has the option to pitch it out to one of those running backs or to keep the ball himself and run with it. Uh, Occasionally they'll give him the additional option, the ability to throw the ball downfield if he does not like both either his run or his running backs options. This offense has actually raised the question, uh, sometimes jokingly, but could be seriously cause for debate, which is, should a tackle for a loss against a Georgia Tech quarterback even count as a sack? I mean, you think about it, you know he's not going to throw the ball. They throw the ball sometimes as little as five times a game. Should that even count as a sack in the stat column? Um, they run so many designed rushes, it certainly does not help quarterbacks' stock to go there. You see a lot of conversions from Georgia Tech or Georgia Tech-style quarterbacks to other positions in the NFL because, obviously, it requires so much athleticism, and having a court- college quarterback's decision-making ability and leadership skills is certainly welcome at any position in the NFL. So that's certainly an interesting offense to take a look at to keep an eye on over these next few seasons as they are going to be... Um, as they are going to be, uh, they are always among the top prospect, uh, the top player, the uh, teams in the uh, in the nation, based on their strong defense and this challenging rushing attack. Now let's take a break. I'm Jason Chesler, and you're listening to Speaking of Sports. Keep it right here on the Voice America Kids Network.
1: And just when you think you have them under control, that's when things get, well, crazy. For help, tune in to Paul's Around the World. You'll get the inside secrets on keeping your pet the friend it's supposed to be, along with stories to keep you warm and fuzzy. Listen Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids.
2: We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
0: You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the
2: action. Thank you, and welcome back to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason Chesler, and we've been talking about a lot of sports today. We were just talking about the NBA, where certainly there's a lot of stories. And now we're moving on to MLB, to the baseball season. Uh, we're going to be looking at um, some predictions for next year's MLB season, some of the up-and-coming young players, uh, the relevance of stadiums in uh, in baseball, uh, and of course, we're also going to be reflecting on where some things went wrong for some teams in the uh, 2010 baseball season. Um, but let's open it up with looking ahead uh, with some of these young teams that have really been succeeding these past few seasons in building up their uh, prospects getting these guys in their farm systems MLB ready they're really doing a nice job uh, throughout baseball keeping the young talent flowing as some of these veterans uh, of the 90s and the 2000s even have started to uh, fade off into the sunset so to speak Uh, if we look at the NL West that is really a division that could be strong for years to come for a few years now the NL West has kind of been regarded as a weak division where the uh, Dodgers can kind of just roll through with their uh, high payroll and expensive talent and generally just breeze through to, like, 88 wins and take the victory. This was not the case this season and does not look to be the case for uh, next year and things and time to come, as the Padres, Rockies, and Giants have all laid very solid foundations for the future and even for the present. Um, the Padres, of course, they've got all of that young pitching, uh, Their starting pitching is phenomenal. Their relief pitching has been the best in baseball. And it's just uh, impressive how much pitching can win for you, even without much of an offense, as the Padres' offense is still not quite there. They uh, have some players down in the minors, but they're a few years away on the offensive end. But certainly with the pitching staff they have, both in their starting rotation and in the bullpen, With superstars like Matt Latos, uh, who had a very impressive first full season and looks to be a Cy Young candidate next year, when hopefully his arm strength is up and he's on a bit less of an innings limit. And of course, their offense is pretty much Adrian Gonzalez. There's been talk of him going to the Red Sox, but certainly with the Padres finally proving that they do have something to uh, stick around with, he will very likely stay and become the centerpiece for that offense a great power-hitting first baseman to go along with a star pitcher, Matt Latos. Uh, Moving on to the Rockies, they're a team that certainly has been around in playoff races these past few seasons. It is not news that they have a lot of young talent, um, but that inconsistency certainly keeps them from really becoming one of the dominant teams in baseball. Uh, One week they can look awful, the next week they cannot lose. Um, They've got tons of talent. They've got Ubaldo Jimenez, who earlier in, uh, around last year's All-Star break, it looked like he was on pace to win 30 games. Um, That was not quite the case, but certainly still an impressive season he's coming off of. They've got Carlos Gonzalez, or Cargo as the kids like to call him, who certainly had a breakout season and looks like a top young outfield prospect, an MVP candidate, and maybe even a triple crown candidate in uh, in the future. He's a guy who can do it all, play right field, plays a very good right field, a uh, great defensive player, has the speed, has the power, Hits uh, for a great average uh, with some pop in it too, although I'm sure uh, Colorado helps. Uh, as Even though they've implied a lot of tactics to help uh, reduce the amount of home runs in that ballpark, it's certainly tough to battle the natural thinness of the air up there. And of course, Troy Tulowitzki, everyone knows him as Tulo, made his coming out party all the way back in 2007 when he, uh, as a rookie shortstop, led the Rockies to the World Series. He is certainly here to say he's got great power at the shortstop position, is a great young leader for their young uh, young, uh, ball club. But let's see if he can really string together an entire really good season. If you remember, during this past season, he came into the month of September with something like 15 home runs he was not producing. And then he just blew up for like 13 or so home runs in that month. It led to a very solid year statistically, but can he really keep it solid all year round? Uh, moving on to the Giants, their pitching has as much talent at the top as anybody. They've got Tim Lincecum and Matt Kane, possibly the biggest one-two punch in baseball in this upcoming season, with a couple of more veteran guys. They've got Barry Zito. Um, rounding out their rotation, they have a, uh, they have even more youth than Lincecum and Kane, in that they have uh. They have a couple of more prospects battling it out for those last couple of spots in their rotation. A lot of talent. Let's see if they can actually get production out of the end of that rotation with guys like Sanchez and Bumgarner, and perhaps a prospect we haven't seen. And where's the offense? They've got the superstar in the makings, catcher Buster Posey, but he cannot carry a team, and you have to imagine that a catcher's legs are going to wear out at some point. Um, you're listening to the Voice of America Kids Network. I'm Jason Chesler, and we are currently talking about, sport, uh, talking about the Major League Baseball season on Speaking of Sports. Uh, we just broke down the NL West for the future, which is certainly a division planning for the future. But there are some less obvious ones, um, known for their star power, that are going to be close battles for years to come. The NL East... Uh, for the past few seasons, has looked like the Phillies' division. But in this year, this year the Braves made their coming-out party. Um, they really showed up for the first time since kind of the early 2000s with a new core of young players. Great young players like Tommy Hansen, the starting pitcher, and, of course, Jason Hayward, the phenomenal young outfielder, a true five-tool player. Um, they have tons of talent. They might have overachieved this past season for their youth, But certainly, as they uh, get more experienced, as Jason Hayward develops into possibly the best player in baseball, they're going to be here to stay, along with the mega-talented Phillies, um, a team with all of the tools. They've got a decked lineup all throughout their infield. Their outfield has several five-tool guys. They've got Shane Victorino and Jimmy Rollins for speed. They've got power out of guys like Raul Ibanez and Ryan Howard and Chase Utley, and they even have the pitching with the dual Roy start of the rotation, Roy Oswald and Roy Holiday, both acquisitions in this past season, who uh, certainly provide plenty of punch for their uh, pitching staff. In addition, with their own young prospect, that uh, starting pitcher, Cole Hamels. Uh, moving on to what is thought of as a bit of a veteran division that still will continue to uh, have close divisional race, races is the AL East. Obviously we've got the Yankees, everybody knows it, they have a decked lineup, they have plenty of starting pitchers, and their bullpen started to really pick it up towards the end of this past regular season. The question is, is are they too old, are they over the hill, or can uh, young guys such as Robinson Cano and Jabba Chamberlain keep their uh, veteran from aging too fast? Meanwhile in Tampa Bay, it's obvious that these pay cuts that are forced upon them are going to affect their playoff chances next year. But even uh, though they are losing a Carl Crawford and a Rafael Soriano, two elite players, they still have plenty of young talent. They have replacements for these guys, even if their true talent is irreplaceable. Um, and the Boston Red Sox, of course, a bit of a failed experiment this past season where they attempted to reprioritize around pitching and defense. Um, the problem was was that their pitching was kind of lousy and their defense was pretty awful. Um, Their bats did come around. It, frankly, was kind of like an old Red Sox team, even though they tried to change their philosophy. But if they don't get more production out of pitchers who aren't John Lester or Clay Buchholz, um, if John Lackey and uh, Josh Beckett and who knows who their fifth star could be, maybe Dice K or maybe someone new, if they don't get production out of the rest of that rotation, they simply can't compete with the Yankees or the Rays or even the uh, other divisions for a wild-card spot. Um, their offense, with the additions they made with guys like Adrian Beltre, is certainly impressive. But Beltre's long-term status with the team is up for go- is virtually up for grabs. No one's quite sure where he's going to go, but the Red Sox would certainly be happy to take him back. Um, of course, what's m- most known in the AL East is the relevance of the stadiums there. If you remember back a few years when the Yankees first moved into their new stadium, they had these wind tunnels uh, to right field where players were hitting tons of bombs to right field. Um, This past season that was fixed a bit, but we'll see how their young stadium compares with the Red Sox, for instance, and their veteran Fenway Park. Uh, So now let's wrap it up for the day. Uh, We've covered a lot of topics. Uh, We started out with the NFL. We broke down everything. We broke down the conferences and the teams and even some individual players for this upcoming season and for the future. Um, We moved on to college football. We did a comparison between the Pac-10 quarterbacks, some of the relevant ones throughout the Pac-10, which has really become a quarterback conference, uh, and also took a look at some of the other quarterbacks, uh, several dual-threat quarterbacks over on the East Coast, Um, with also a quick look at Georgia Tech's dynamic running offense. Proof that a offense based solely on running the ball is not always one-dimensional. Uh, we moved on to the um, discussion of the WNBA, its economic status, and its future, um, and then covered the NBA because it's not Sports Talk Radio if you don't talk about the Miami Heat. Uh, we just discussed baseball. You just heard that. Um, and, well, frankly, that's it. That's all we have time for. Uh, that was a great show. We had some great info. I really hope you guys enjoyed it, and hopefully you even learned something. Um, so, I'm Jason Chesler. This is Speaking of Sports. Be sure to keep it right here on the Voice America Kids Network.
1: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at T R N.
0: Uh, try again, Chris. Take two. We'll take you back to the favorite TV shows of our generation, past and present, and apply them to what's going on in our own lives. Trust us, it'll be a blast. Tune in to Take Two every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. There is so much going on in the tech field. The Technology Show is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to The Technology Show. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America
1: We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids.
0: You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids.
2: Now, back into the action. Thank you and welcome back to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason Chessler and we've been talking about a lot of sports today. We were just talking about the NBA, where certainly there's a lot of stories. And now we're moving on to MLB, to the baseball season. Uh, we're going to be looking at um, some predictions for next year's MLB season, some of the up-and-coming young players, uh, the relevance of stadiums in uh, in baseball. Uh, and, of course, we're also going to be reflecting on where some things went wrong for some teams in the uh, 2010 baseball season. Um, But let's open it up with looking ahead uh, with some of these young teams that have really been succeeding these past few seasons and building up their uh, prospects, getting these guys in their farm systems, MLB ready. They're really doing a nice job uh, throughout baseball, keeping the young talent flowing as some of these veterans uh, of the 90s and the 2000s even have started to uh, fade off into the sunset, so to speak. Um, if we look at the NL West, that is really a division that could be strong for years to come. For a few years now, the NL West has kind of been regarded as a weak division, where the uh, Dodgers can kind of just roll through with their uh, high payroll and expensive talent, and generally just breeze through the like 88 wins and take the victory. This was not the case this season, and does not look to be the case for uh, next year and things and time to come, as the Padres, Rockies, and Giants have all laid very solid foundations for the future and even for the present. Um, the Padres, of course, they've got all of that young pitching. Uh, their starting pitching is phenomenal. The relief pitching has been the best in baseball. And it's just uh, impressive how much pitching can win for you even without much of an offense as the Padres offense is still not quite there. They uh, have some players down in the minors, but they're a few years away on the offensive end. But certainly with the pitching staff they have both in their starting rotation and in the bullpen, with superstars like Matt Latos uh, who had a very impressive first full season and looks to be a Cy Young candidate next year when hopefully his arm strength is up and he's on a bit less of an innings limit. And of course their offense is pretty much Adrian Gonzalez. There's been talk of him going to the Red Sox, but certainly with the Padres finally proving that they do have something to uh, stick around with, he will very likely stay and become the centerpiece for that offense, a great power-hitting first baseman to go along with a star pitcher, Matt Latos. Moving on to the Rockies, they're a team that certainly has been around in playoff races these past few seasons. It is not news that they have a lot of young talent um, but that inconsistency certainly keeps them from really becoming one of the dominant teams in baseball. Uh, one week they can look awful, the next week they cannot lose. Um, they've got tons of talent. They've got Ubaldo Jimenez, who earlier, in uh, around last year's All-Star break, it looked like he was on pace to win 30 games. Um, that was not quite the case, but certainly still an impressive season he's coming off of. They've got Carlos Gonzalez, or Cargo as the kids like to call him, who certainly had a breakout season and looks like a top young outfield prospect, an MVP candidate, and maybe even a triple crown candidate in the, uh, in the future. He's a guy who can do it all, play right field, plays a very good right field, a uh, great defensive player, has the speed, has the power, uh, heads for a great average. Uh, with some pop in it too, although I'm sure uh, Colorado helps, uh, as even though they've implied a lot of tactics to help uh, reduce the amount of home runs in that ballpark, it's certainly tough to battle the natural thinness of the air up there. And of course, Troy Tuolitsky, everyone knows him as Tulo, made his coming out party all the way back in 2007 when he, uh, as a rookie shortstop, led the Rockies to the World Series. He is certainly here to say he's got great power at the shortstop position, is a great young leader for their young, uh, for their young uh, ball club. But let's see if he can really string together an entire really good season. If you remember, during this past season, he came into the month of September with something like 15 home runs he was not producing, and then he just blew up for like 13 or so home runs in that month. It led to a very solid year statistically, but can he really keep it solid all year round? Uh, moving on to the Giants, their pitching has as much talent at the top as anybody. They've got Tim Lincecum and Matt Kane, possibly the biggest one-two punch in baseball in this upcoming season. With a couple of more veteran guys, they've got Barry Zito. Um, rounding out their rotation, they have uh, they have even more youth than Lincecum and Kane, in that they have. Uh, they have a couple of more prospects battling it out for those last couple of spots in their rotation. A lot of talent. Let's see if they can actually get production out of the end of that rotation with guys like Sanchez and Bumgarner, and perhaps a prospect we haven't seen. And where's the offense? They've got the superstar in the makings, catcher Buster Posey, but he cannot carry a team, and you have to imagine that a catcher's legs are going to wear out at some point. Um, you're listening to the Voice of America Kids Network. I'm Jason Chesler, and we are currently talking about sport. Uh, talking about the Major League Baseball season. On speaking of sports, uh, we just broke down the NL West for the future, which is certainly a division planning for the future. But there are some less obvious ones um, known for their star power that are going to be close battles for years to come. The NL East. Uh, for the past few seasons has looked like the Phillies' division, but in this year, this year the Braves made their coming-out party. Um, they really showed up for the first time since kind of the early 2000s with a new core of young players, great young players like Tommy Hansen, the starting pitcher, and, of course, Jason Hayward, the phenomenal young outfielder, a true five-tool player. Um, they have tons of talent. They might have overachieved this past season for their youth, But certainly, as they uh, get more experienced, as Jason Hayward develops into possibly the best player in baseball, they're going to be here to stay. Along with the mega-talented Phillies, um, a team with all of the tools, they've got a decked lineup all throughout their infield, their outfield has several five-tool guys, they've got Shane Victorino and Jimmy Rollins for speed, they've got power out of guys like Raul Ibanez and Ryan Howard and Chase Utley. And they even have the pitching with the dual Roy start of the rotation, Roy Oswald and Roy Holiday, both acquisitions in this past season, who uh, certainly provide plenty of punch for their uh, pitching staff, in addition with their own young prospect, that uh, starting pitcher, Cole Hamels. Uh, moving on to what is thought of as a bit of a veteran division that still will continue to uh, have close divisional race, races is the AL East. Obviously we've got the Yankees, everybody knows it, they have a decked lineup, they have plenty of starting pitchers, and their bullpen started to really pick it up towards the end of this past regular season. The question is, is are they too old? Are they over the hill? Or can uh, young guys such as Robinson Cano and Jabba Chamberlain keep their uh, veteran from aging too fast? Meanwhile in Tampa Bay, it's obvious that these pay cuts that are forced upon them are going to affect their playoff chances next year. But even uh, though they are losing a Carl Crawford and a Rafael Soriano, two elite players, they still have plenty of young talent. They have replacements for these guys even if their true talent is irreplaceable. Um, and the Boston Red Sox, of course, a bit of a failed experiment this past season where they attempted to reprioritize around pitching and defense. Um, the problem was was that their pitching was kind of lousy and their defense was pretty awful. Um, their bats did come around. It, frankly, was kind of like an old Red Sox team, even though they tried to change their philosophy. But if they don't get more production out of pitchers who aren't John Lester or Clay Buchholz, um, if John Lackey and uh, Josh Beckett and who knows who their fifth star could be, maybe Dice K or maybe someone new, if they don't get production out of the rest of that rotation, they simply can't compete with the Yankees or the Rays or even the uh, other divisions for a wild card spot. Um, Their offense, with the additions they made with guys like Adrian Beltre, is certainly impressive, but Beltre's long-term status with the team is is virtually up for grabs. No one's quite sure where he's going to go, but the Red Sox would certainly be happy to take him back. Um, Of course, what's most known in the AL East is the relevance of the stadiums there. If you remember back a few years when the Yankees first moved into their new stadium, they had these wind tunnels uh, to right field where players were hitting tons of bombs to right field. Um, This past season that was fixed a bit, but we'll see how their young stadium compares with the Red Sox, for instance, and their veteran Fenway Park. Uh, So now let's wrap it up for the day. Uh, We've covered a lot of topics. Uh, We started out with the NFL. We broke down everything. We broke down the conferences and the teams and even some individual players for this upcoming season and for the future. Um, We moved on to college football. We did a comparison between the Pac-10 quarterbacks, some of the relevant ones throughout the Pac-10, which has really become a quarterback conference, uh, and also took a look at some of the other quarterbacks, uh, several dual-threat quarterbacks over on the East Coast, Um, with also a quick look at Georgia Tech's dynamic running offense. Proof that a offense based solely on running the ball is not always one-dimensional. Uh, we moved on to some discussion of the WNBA, its economic status, and its future, um, and then covered the NBA because it's not Sports Talk Radio if you don't talk about the Miami Heat. Uh, we just discussed baseball. You just heard that. Um, and, well, frankly, that's it. That's all we have time for. Uh, that was a great show. We had some great info. I really hope you guys enjoyed it, and hopefully you even learned something. Um, so I'm Jason Chesler this is Speaking of Sports be sure to keep it right here on the Voice America Kids Network
0: Thanks again for listening to Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids channel make sure you come on back next week for another great show
1: longer you listen the later it gets you're listening to voice america kids
0: the future of online tv is here view exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else visit voice today